Welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 42, Kubo and the Two Strings, from 2016. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us today, someone we thought was going to love this movie. <laughs> someone who's had a rocky history on our podcast of not-so-great movies, even though she was here for the treasure, the delight that is waking up in Reno. We have Mad Holly Gore. Hello, Mad Holly Gore. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. God, so we thought we thought we were doing you a favor because this is a movie that Mike and I have both seen, that we both love, mm-hmm. that this is like a great, wonderful movie. And then from the jump, you're messaging us like, I hate this, <laughs> I hate this, I hate this. It's, it, it saddens me a little bit, but I want to know why you hate this movie, and hopefully we can break you. So I'm definitely going to be the odd man out here. And I, I think part of the reason I didn't enjoy this film was because, you know, if you, you, if you go out to dinner with a friend or a partner and you're really in the mood for Mexican, and they say, oh, no, I don't want Mexican, and they drag you to Olive Garden and you go, but the whole time you can just you're thinking about Mexican food and burritos and guacamole and rice. Like, this is what this felt like. I wasn't in the mood for this movie. I wasn't in the mood for the style. I wasn't in the mood for the storyline. And I still just tried to get through it and like it and give it a fair shot. But I just did not enjoy any part of it. I could definitely relate on a level, Holly, (laughs) hearkening back to an episode that you were witness to, you know, like (laughs) uh, we all have those days and we all have those movies for sure. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) now, Holly, have you seen the other my how do you pronounce it? Leica? Leica? Oh, uh, the animation company? I, th- I think it's Leica, but I don't. I never heard it said out loud. So, Holly, have you seen, like, uh, Coraline or Paranorman or the Box Trolls? I have not. So one thing you said to us is that this is not animation that is befitting of Japan. This belongs in stupid Tim Burton movies. It's not. Something along those lines. <laughs> you know, like, this is all, like, stop motion. Like, this is, like wonderfully painstaking art like to the point where that boat sequence which is when they're getting the armor took 19 months to shoot whoa it's a long time like this is like it's so like this is such a labor of love Mm -hmm. painstaking and i like the other movies i like Coraline. i like the box trolls more I don't know if I've seen Paranorman, but like this oh, movie great. just like resonated with me in a way that was just like I was just in awe of this movie. And I didn't cry tonight, but I was so close when uh Charlize as Monkey whispers, "You are my quest," he whispered. And I was just like, "Oh." Like I I don't think that that, that really got me the first time around, but having journeyed through here Charlize and having mm-hmm. seen so many movies where she doesn't have a great love story, to see her there like in this like great romantic historic love i was just like oh yeah that's what i want okay i just loved that you were able to utter the sentence charlize as monkey (laughs) yeah that's great but she's always you know one some of her strongest stuff has also been like the mother role as well and that's a big part of her thing here but um if i just go back for a second to you know just gush about my long love of stop motion animation going back to when i was a child and first seeing stuff like clash of the titans and then all the harryhausen stuff since then and everything i've always loved this form of animation and i really i think paranorman is a, is a fantastic movie that movie's amazing i like Coraline. i haven't seen box trolls but like i love corpse bride i just love all this this type of yeah, stuff Corpse anyway Bride is so great. yeah that actually gets to my next point is like for me this movie isn't really even all that much about like the plot 
for me. I'm very focused and driven by the visuals of this, the look, the style. Like this could be almost a silent film, and I feel like it would get away with it. It, it yeah. starts almost like one. Like I'm so emotionally moved just by the visuals and and the animation here. That I, I mean, the story is fine and everything. It could be stronger, but you know, for me, I'm really here for the visuals first and foremost. Like the rest of it holds up. It's cool. It's it's kind of original twist on like the hero's journey kind of mixed with like life of pi almost a little bit i thought in a way but yeah i mean overall I, I was just i really had a good time again this time yeah i just i couldn't get past the art style and i think that was a big barrier to entry for me enjoying this i just didn't like the character designs i didn't like the faces I can agree that this is a pretty film and visually they've done really great things with it but I just, I like even Beetle, I was just like, oh, he's ugly and I don't like him and I don't like looking at him and I don't like looking at his janky teeth and I don't care. Oh, I love Beetle. <laughs> I love Beetle so much. Beetle's so cool though, because Beetle, like, I don't think we've had a McConaughey movie, maybe on the podcast network. Oh. If, if it's not the first, it's one of the first. And just to have him in here, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. And then we also get a little bit, Mike, of somebody we wanted to get from one of the original idea, the the original six, if you will, of who we were going to do for this run instead of Charlize, we get Rooney Mara as the sisters. We could have watched this for that, too. Oh, it's too bad one of those isn't Katie Mara, so they got like yeah, but, sisters you know. playing sisters and stuff. I had forgotten that Charlize was the monkey voice, I thought because I thought she just did the voice of the mom until she transformed, and so I was like, I don't know if it fit perfectly for me, but... It took me a little bit to sort of get used to, but ultimately I think she makes it work. And that's a tough character. I don't mean like it's hard to understand. I mean, that's like the monkey is like tough, like a tough person. You know what I'm saying? Like strong and like protective and all this kind of thing. And so until we find out it's the mom, I'm sort of just like still trying to figure out what's going on with it and stuff. But then once I was like, okay, like very protective and stuff of her child and everything. But yeah, I, I that was a surprise no surprise. I had forgotten that she voiced so much of this movie. So that's good, though, because, you know, with Cage and, and everything, like he pops into an animated film for two minutes or something. Or I mean, we get the crudes along the line, but you know what I'm saying? It's always nice when they're more than a cameo, more than Astro Boy. I think it's weird. I made a note of this because we did Astro Boy. This is only in Charlize's second animated film. She'll be in the upcoming Adams Family animated film. So that'll be yeah. number three. Which would be great if they did it in stop motion, because that style fits creepiness. Very much so. What is weird is that in both this movie and Astro Boy, and Astro Boy she only has like 75 words that she says or whatever, but she just uses her regular voice. Like both characters she does in this movie, Kubo's mom and Monkey, who become or is Kubo's mom, it's just her voice. And, you know, Cage did sometimes like weird animated voices, sometimes he just uses his own but I think it's really weird, Mike, is that, you know, you especially have pointed out so many times, like, how interested and intrigued you are by Charlize's accents. And in so many live action movies, she alters her voice. You know, she speaks Afrikaans. You know, she's got uh, a South African accent. You know, she's from the South in a lot of movies. For her to do two animated movies and be able to, like, create any character she wants and then just basically use her own voice. Like, I wonder if that's a conscious decision or if that's a director's in both, like, hey, do this. Like, it just feels strange, and maybe not weird, maybe not wrong, maybe not off. It's just strange that we have the ability for her to do whatever she wants, and what that is is just her voice. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's why I think maybe it, I was having a little trouble with her as as the monkey, because, like, it's 
clearly her, just Charlize being Charlize. Like, at least McConaughey, it took me a while to figure out it was McConaughey even uh, as the voice of the dad, or the Beatle, sorry, Beatle dad. Um, <laughs> he turns out to be the dad, right? Like, that's what's happening with that thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they just have amnesia, or he does. I love the battle with the grandfather. That That's amazing. Um, sorry, getting a little, <laughs> <laughs> a little off track. But, yeah, I, I, am, I am a little disappointed overall with that, like, that she didn't put on, if not an accent, like, a picture of voice higher or lower or do something i don't know like these movies take so long to make right so i almost wonder if it was a matter of who could we get and who you know what can we do with the with the time we have because like they're shooting it and nothing's really i don't know it is a little strange that she didn't try and put on an affectation i guess we should sort of describe what this is about like i realized that we don't do that for any of our movies which is maybe a failure (laughs) but it's maybe not a failure you know we stopped like Halfway through the original Cage Club, yeah. I think, like, we changed up our whole formula. It was like, no plot summaries, no nothing. Let's just dive headfirst in. To reference some of the other shows on the network, I like Real Bad's 60-second sort of, like, quiz section. You know, how quickly mm-hmm. can you do it? Mm-hmm. I like how the contenders, Tobin writes his very eloquent, very, you know, concise, finely worded summary. I like how Brian on High School Slumber Party reads the back of the VHS tape. We're just like, hey, everybody knows what the movie's about. Just go ahead and just, you know, just listen to us <laughs> babble about things that, like, you might have no idea. But I also do feel like if you're just, you're, you're either listening to this for two reasons. Number one, you love Kubo, and you want to hear us talk about Kubo. Or number two, you just like the show, and maybe you don't care. I don't know. I don't know. Why are you listening? Email us, watch at cageclub.me. But, well, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're not going to stop. We have two new exactly. shows coming next year. Like, it's not going to make a difference, but it would be nice to know. The movie is about this boy named Kubo who has one eye who, in the very beginning of the movie, is, you know, thrown in this, like, boating accident, you know, sent on shore. His dad is gone. His mom is injured by the boat accident. He's sort of taking care of her. He's spending time with his grandma. All of a sudden, these evil spirits, like, this is apparently a world in which magic exists. Evil spirits come to the world. The mom banishes them with the last bit of magic, ostensibly killing herself, like, sacrificing herself to save Kubo in the process. Kubo then wakes up next to a monkey, who we later find out is Kubo's mom, as the incarnation of this little idol, this little totem that he has, plays, you know, Charlize is the voice of the monkey. And then he also comes across Beetle, who is his dad. And then they have to go find the sword, the armor, and the helmet to take out this, like, ultimate evil being to sort of restore balance and kindness and goodness to the world. It's complicated, but also super simple. And I think, you know, Mike, you're exactly right that, like, the plot is, you're not here really for the plot. I mean, I think the story is good. I think the story is not common, but, like, you know, it's it's not wholly unique. I just think the way that it's told, you know, the the substitutes of the monkey and beetle for the parents, and I just think the visual style of it all, the visual aesthetic, the flair, is just remarkable. Yeah, the stuff I really like the most is the Kubo character himself. Like, I love the idea that he can tell the story with his instrument, and that he makes the origami dance, and, you know, and, and that he's, like, almost a soothsayer in a way. At some point, we come to find out or something, like, he's got, like, something about his eye. He, he can see, like, the magic in someone or the soul or something. I don't know. Something, the reason his grandpa wants his eye. But, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I don't think the story needs to be all that complex. Like, it's basically, like, the hero's journey with with like these little changes and elements like instead of a wise old man you have the monkey and you know instead of like the hot shot you have the beetle samurai guy and all this kind of thing so like yeah they just shift around some details and have their own unique 
visual style to it all. And I think I feel like it masks the familiar plot wise enough to get lost within like the rest of it, like to let the story sort of like sort of wash over you and then so let the visuals take care of the rest and tell the story for you. So Holly, what did you like about this movie? And then you said it's a pretty <laughs> movie, but like what did you what did you enjoy? Did you enjoy it or was it all were you just sort of, you know, blinded by your mad Hollywood rage about this movie? I finished this movie because I was contractually obligated to well, finish you want to turn it off? it because I, I didn't I want to, uh, to let you guys down. But yeah, I mean, really, I, I, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't connect with any of the characters. I just, like, Kubo, I was like, okay, he's a boy that can manipulate magic, but he has to be home all the time. Like, I wanted him to be more in one direction or the, or the other. Like, I use magic, and I know I use magic, but then he's also so obedient. And, like, getting home after or before dark all the time. Well, his mom is, like, deathly ill. Like, he's taking care of his mom. Yeah, she's, like, deathly ill, but then, like, he comes home and she's like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm up. I'm going to tell you all these stories. And be able to remember everything and kind of, like, dance around and also still do magic, except for the part where I remember what happened to your father. I feel like you're being overly critical <laughs> on this on this part of, like, the setup where, like, the mom is sick and then she sacrifices herself to save her son. Yeah, against witches that look like they could be running with uh, the kids from Oogie Boogie. I kind of like those, uh, the aunts, the aunties, or whatever, the, the twin ghost character designs. No, I, I agree that maybe we could have gotten a little more setup before everything sort of takes off on its adventure. Um, I think they're just a little more interested in, in focusing on Kubo than anything else. And they used a lot of sort of shorthand in setting up his mother. You know, I, honestly, the first time I saw this, I thought she might be Kubo because the story starts with her. And then we sort of go forward in time and he's a young kid and everything. But I got the sense that, yeah, that she had like good days and bad days. She had like a traumatic injury that she was out of magic therefore like she was yep. ailing and she just didn't have much time left and so she knew like a day i mean this is a lot of stuff you could also just sort of imprint onto this if you've seen a lot of these types of fairy tales or things like because it feels more like a fairy tale uh, but just that one day she was not going to be there and she worried about him taking care of himself like i don't know i i picked up on it pretty quickly once you realize like who i guess who kubo is and who the story is going to be about and it's gonna be his journey and not her journey it's like okay like how do we like what what's the what's the inciting incident right and it's like the sisters show up and he is about to be killed by them and then she saves him and then we're just on this journey are we to believe did this all happen? Yes, right? Like, it's not... Like, this is all real. Like, this isn't, like, a, a fever dream or, like, a coma dream, is it? Or is it? No, I I think it's real. I mean, also probably another reason why I couldn't really get into it is that I saw um, Crazy Rich Asians this weekend, which is a yep. phenomenal film. It's an all-Asian cast. So yep. coming to this film, I was like, cool, you know, set in Japan, Asian cast, and then whitewashing of almost all the voices and i i don't know if i would have had like the same kind of realization if i hadn't gone to see that movie this weekend but maybe that's kind of part of my disappointment as well that although the voices were good it's just kind of i don't know it, it's like they were like all right we're gonna do like 70 percent of stealing stuff from japan and japanese elements but then put it all in english and also hire uh like you know non-Asian voices to voice these Asian characters. I mean, I hear you there. It's tough because I feel like Island of Dogs got like that same criticism, like, oh, they're just like these Westerners appropriating this culture for their entertainment. But I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like sometimes that genuinely does happen. I don't know if this is necessarily the case, though. I feel this feels more 
this feels like there's a lot of like care and heart and it feels more genuine than like a cash grab for some sort of style or something. I don't know if what they did necessarily came out the way they wanted it to, but I just I I just feel like there was good intentions behind what they were trying to do and whether or not, you know, that doesn't get them off the hook by any means. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But like Well, and too, I'm I loved Island of Dogs and I didn't even think that mm-hmm. um oh my god, what was the one with Scarlett Johansson? Ghost in the Shell. I didn't even think that was that bad. So it's not like, you know, I'm across the board like, hey, cuz there's there's nuances and there's complexities when when casting but I don't know. For some reason, just this one, I I wanted to like it, you guys. I really wanted to like it. Uh, did we maybe mislead you into thinking it was like anime or something? Because maybe if it was like we should, if we had like a Miyazaki thing, I don't know. Because maybe that's part of it too. Because I definitely feel like I I love Miyazaki stuff too, and this feels like a, someone who also loves Miyazaki trying to like put their own spin on it, but also it's confined within sort of like this paper world of people and stuff too. I'm googling right now, and there there was controversy after this film came out of what you're talking about holly like people complaining that there aren't you know major asian actors of any kind of significance in this movie that it is whitewashed in a way the director came out and addressed the controversy in a live action film when an actor looks like is as important if not more important than what they sound like while certainly background is absolutely a consideration in casting animated films our prime consideration in casting is the ability to capture emotion with their voice he criticized what he says is the binary nature of diversity debate when you look at diversity it really is a combination of things. It's the seen and the unseen characteristics and experiences that makes us unique. It's telling more diverse stories with more diverse characters, and that's what we've tried to do every step of the way. We're basically colorblind in terms of how we cast our films, and I think you can see that when you look at the totality of our movies. I do agree with him to an extent. I think that it's about finding the right voices, because you don't know... Like, on the one hand, you could be like, oh, they put Charlie Theron and Matthew McConaughey in here to, like, sell movie tickets. Even though you don't see them, you can put mm-hmm. their names on the posters, you can put their names in the trailer, you can do whatever you want, people can go see this movie. But at the same time, you don't see them, and it could be anybody, and I do think that they're... I think everybody's really good in this movie. Would I have liked to see more, you know, less like less whitewashing? Sure. But I think that, for the most part, it works really well, and I really like this movie... And I know I'm just. This is coming from my my white guy gaze, but like I, it, I don't. I'm not bothered by it. No, I, I hear you, but I guess it is a little tough when you do find out that like George Takai is in this movie somewhere, and I missed him. Whereas like he could have definitely been a major character because he's got a terrific voice for animation like that. You know, I don't know anyone who speaks more clearly than him, and and he's of Japanese descent, and he's sort of he's very much a role model too. I, I you know, nowadays like a sort of like a cult icon in some ways well and i would have really liked him to be like the voice of grandfather like just that kind of deep like ancient like this wisdom this like commanding but do you want to cast like your only asian actor is the bad guy (laughs) well Well, at least no i hear that (laughs) no maybe but like you do want to give him a bigger role if you you do have him there he's on the call list and like he is a great voice actor he was so the one in the crowd in the beginning strange. who said oh my when uh kubo but does that, things which is like his yeah that's his catchphrase yep. like in real life <laughs> so i mean you know he's almost being used as a joke as it is which is which that to me kind of feels more offensive than anything i guess <laughs> which oh boy where is this going but uh <laughs> yeah no it, it it's it's tough i mean it's that that's fucking hollywood and it sucks i guess i didn't take a lot of notes in this movie because i don't like there's not a lot of story 
I was another another one where I was like engaged, I was engrossed in it, I was just enjoying it rather than taking notes on what's going on. I think the animation where like Kubo starts playing the guitar and like these little scenes come to life with the paper is incredible. Like yeah, I just think that it's super really cool. Pretty. I also like that you know he could ostensibly do like whatever he wants with this, and like sometimes he just like has birds flying. Like he's just like I feel like he should dream bigger a little bit. But <laughs> well, he makes the boat out of he does leaves. make the boat. Yeah, you're right. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I think you know maybe you know this is sort of a, a coming. It's obviously like a coming of age story in a way. You know, coming to terms with the loss of your parents. And sort of becoming your own man, mm-hmm. even though he's just like a little boy. But I think just like we talked about in Inception over on Cinemakers, another show on the network, you know, when Tom Hardy's like, you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Uh, you know, just dream bigger, like, you know, make boats, make big stuff. But I also at the same time, I like the sort of small nature of it where like, it's just about getting a sword and armor and a helmet. And like, it's not about, you know, Inception where you're creating the world around you. You're just looking for these three specific things because that's what this you know, ancient tale, this ancient journey or whatever requires of you. And I really like the uh, guardians of those things, like the giant skull creature and then like the um, the underwater monster thing that was protecting the armor and stuff like those. I guess it felt maybe a little video gamey, but they felt like these awesome sort of like M bosses and stuff. And it was just super impressive. Yeah. And and again, I just I really love the the final battle he has with his grandfather. And when he just like remembers that like, oh, like all this armor and the swords and everything like isn't isn't what I need. It's like it's my music, you know, and like he uses he uses the instrument again at the end to uh, to win and everything. That was really cool. He like strung up actual hair as the guitar strings and everything. And it's that also you know cool. using his literally using his mother and father to beat the beat his grandfather. Yes, because they're the two strings, right? Yeah, the two. I mean, the two strings mean a lot of different things. Like it's you know it's one of those things like whatever you want it to mean, it can mean. Like on IMDb, there's a whole thing where about the role of the mother and the father figure, two villainous sisters, night and day. Ultimately, the two strings can be seen to represent the two ways, life and death, which are significant uh, in the story. Well, and uh, too, with, with the ending after the battle, they have this really cool battle, and it's really tough. And, you know, he's telling them about, like, humans are stupid. You don't want to be like them. Come live with me in the sky. And he defeats him, and then he loses his memory and is like, oh, who am I? And everyone in the village, rather than being like, yeah, this is the time to learn from your mistakes and show, we show forgiveness and growth, they're just like, oh, you're actually a good guy after all. It was like, oh, okay, we can just lie to people. Like, we don't, don't you don't have to do any actual transformation. You're so cynical. <laughs> <laughs> in this children's film. But yeah, but no, it's like a movie about, like, growing and yeah. learning and then, you know, the bad guy, they're just like, oh, no, you're actually a good guy and that's how we're gonna get around. Like, it's a movie about storytelling, but then Rather than tell him this story so he can reflect from it, they just sweep it under the rug. <laughs> they they inception him, Joey. They like they plant this idea into his head that he's someone that he's not. I I didn't have an issue with it. I I felt it was just time to wrap it up, and uh, I saw it more as just like even though this guy did these horrible things, like these townsfolks are gonna welcome him back somehow. I mean, I didn't even consider to me that they like brainwashed him there at the end, at the final minutes. Yeah, and like but... he he was such a cool, powerful hype of character only to just I guess get defeated and lose his memory there's a lot of themes of memory loss as well in this film and maybe I'm just I'm not on board with that or that it just doesn't like resonate with me um, I'm sure as I get older and I start to lose my mind, maybe I'll come back and rewatch this film with fondness. But, you know, it's like, oh, my mom doesn't remember this and my dad didn't remember he's a samurai. Oh, now grandfather doesn't remember he was a bad guy. Which is okay. 
your family's musically gifted, but you can't remember shit. It's the curse. It's the family curse, I guess. <laughs> the 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 cost of using magic. I I mean, yeah, I just saw it like that though as one of the themes. It's just memory and reliable memories and unreliable memories and stuff. Mm -hmm. And eyes. Eyes were a huge theme as well in this movie, I felt too. Yeah, and the eyes looked cool like when he's under the water and they're all hypnotizing him and he's kind of just sinking like that scene again really beautiful but i wasn't like connected i was like oh that's unfortunate i hope he doesn't get eaten by that giant sinkhole and then beetle saves i'm just like oh that, that was nice of him i don't know it just didn't click i guess i i wanted a, a burrito and this film was like not that see this is why your podcast <laughs> idea of three people arguing about things <laughs> wouldn't necessarily work because you're just kind of like it's you're you're making valid points, but just kind of a bummer. You know what I mean? Like this is a movie that I genuinely love, and you're like, hey, no, it's not. You know, it's not for me. And like, like you can appreciate the artistry here, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, there, it just didn't work for you. And there's not really much more to say than that, than other than you just didn't connect with it, which is fine because you know art doesn't work for everybody. But it's at the same time, mm-hmm. I, I just wish that it did. I thought that, like we thought you know you hadn't heard of this movie, and we're like. Take this movie. No one signed up for it, I don't think, which was weird. But like, take this movie. We think you're going to really like it. And the fact that you didn't was just sort of uh, disappointing. But, you know, it is what <laughs> yeah. it is. I, I ruined everybody's Wednesday. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't known you for long, but I do, truly don't think I know you at all, to be quite honest, <laughs> <laughs> to recommend a movie. <laughs> and, yeah, and I, I, it just didn't click. And I, I did. I, if other people were like, oh, how is this movie? This would definitely be something where I would say – I didn't like it, but you should watch it and give it a shot. It's on Netflix right now as of 2018. So seek it out, I guess, if you're interested. But it just, yeah, it wasn't something that res. And that's fine. I mean, my favorite film is Lost in Translation. And do you know how many people have told me to my face, it is so boring and they can't understand why I love it? And I'm like, oh, is this sometimes just you can't get on the boat. It's a bummer. Yeah. The literal boat in this movie, the, the leaf boat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie was comprised of 145,000 photographs that turned into the stop-motion stop animation film. This is the longest stop-motion animation film, I think, of all time, at least as of the, the time it was made, which two years ago. It's like a minute longer than Coraline or something like that. And Kubo had over 48 million possible facial expressions. So, like, you know, they they, they were serious business about this. Damn. Right? <laughs> that is, that's crazy. Just big just, numbers, yeah. Just watching it, I just, part of me is just gets overwhelmed by the amount of work that goes into something like this and it's just so smooth too these days and i know that like there is a little digital touch-up when it comes to like rods that they that they sometimes use to keep everything in place and everything and you know i know they do a little bit of digital touch-up but i can't believe like the the fluidity of some of the motion to some of this movie like it really tricks my eye i think sometimes like some scenes almost look like it's like a Pixar sort of CGI thing to me. And so just on that level alone, I'd say like, yeah, watch it. Maybe put on like a crazy trippy like record while you watch this on mute or something like that too. Or I don't know, like, cause that, that would be a fun time also. Oh the, yeah. The other reason I hate the Beatles. And then they have the, um, while my guitar gently weeps song at the end that I was just like, ugh. You hate the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and that song, you didn't like that cover either. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just recently heard of the Beatles like a year ago, and I've been diving. No, I'm just kidding. I know who the Beatles were. But I just, okay, this is a, 
interesting episode. <laughs> and this is where I get myself uninvited from all future podcasts. No, this is what's, I think it's good. Conflict is more interesting, don't you think? Like, you know, we <laughs> have, it's better to have sort of a, a little bit of a debate, right? just like a love fest every day. Mike, is there anything else about Kubo that you want to talk about before we just quiz Holly on things that she likes and doesn't like? <laughs> I don't know if you guys like. I mean, I don't. I wager Holly didn't. Um, but Joey, I don't know if you sat through some of the credits. But they <laughs> they show like a um, very sped up sort of shot yep. of them constructing the skeleton creature, Which is and it's just like eighteen feet tall, the longest. I think I think it was the tallest thing that's ever been made for like a stop motion animation. Eighteen feet tall. Yeah, and now I just want to watch like a movie of it without the people removed you know i want to see like the um, like the cutting like the work print version before all the green screens removed and stuff because i just want to see like the people flashing in and out of frame like that i think like the ghost imagery imaging on the film and stuff was like super awesome no yeah you know other than that i i i I definitely like this movie i think people should check it out it's it's a very high-end stop-motion animated movie there's a lot of them out there. I really like Paranorman 2 from the same company. Not Paranorman Part 2, but also. Um, I wonder if they'll make Kubo in the three strings, which would be weird. I'd have to wait for Kubo in the four strings to cover it over on my show, which oh, would be boy. like all the numbering <laughs> stuff starts to get off a little bit. Anyway, check this movie out. Really like it. I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Holly, do you have anything else to say about Kubo? Or you, I, I feel like you you might have exhausted your Kubo material, but do you have anything else to say about uh, Kubo and the two strings? No, I think people should give it a shot. Uh, you know, it's a bummer that it's not for me, but I, I'm not going to say that it didn't try. It just it was not my cup of tea. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay, so we do have an email address here on the show, watch at cageclub.me. Email us what you thought of Kubo. Like we said, it is available to see on Netflix for free, at least in September 2018, so go check that out. But yes, so we have no email today. However, we do have a game here, Holly. I don't remember the last time you were on, but our newest game, I don't know if you've played this yet, is called Stan Lee Yourself. The game is, if you were in this movie, and I don't know that we've done this for an animated movie, do we do it for Astro Boy? No, no. You get to be a voice. So you get to be a voice of a character. So Holly, if you had like basically a small part in this movie, or if you were just like a minor character, it could either be someone who's already exists, or you can add yourself to the story. Who would you be? I'm going to go first, because it's the one that I have uh, an actual idea for. I would like to be a passerby who gives Kubo's grandma the nice piece of lint. That, like, I see what she's doing, I'm really into it, I reach in my pockets, pull out, like, emptiness, like, oh no, there's a piece of lint and I just shrug and I just drop it in her bin. You know, I I don't have any money, but I want to appreciate her. And she did seem to like the lint, so, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, so that would be me. I would give Mama Kubo her little piece of lint. Nice. Uh, Holly, you want me to go next? <laughs> uh, yeah. A little extra time? Yeah. Okay, because I got one. So mine's really short, and it's um, just like, it's, I don't even know if it's like a word or a noise or something, but um, when they're on the boat and they're fishing, I'm the voice of the fish that they spear. Ooh. I sort of get speared, and they pull me on, and I go, nah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. And like, that's it. It's like real obscure. You got to search the credits for my name, but I'm the fish. Very cool. And Holly, do you have an idea of what you would, you know, who you would be in this movie that you did not really enjoy? I would like to be, so if, you know, when he's telling the origami story, maybe he makes a piece of origami and it's like me. And then he's like, no, wait, that's not right. And then it unfolds and makes like the soldier (laughs) or a bird 
but there's like a one piece of origami that would be folded to kind of look my my likeness and then it would go away no wait that's not right she doesn't want to be here let's get her out of this movie (laughs) exactly yeah cool no i like that i like that you know we've gone through a lot of games here on watch a throne i think that we're probably going to run this i kind of i'm kind of into stan lee yourself we've only got i think four more movies atomic blonde fate of the furious gringo and tully only four more so you know i'm excited to play it for fate of the furious especially over on you know a, a little bit different than what we do on too fast too forever but still the same movie yeah Okay, so now the last thing we have to do on the show is the Watch a Throne Awards, the, you know, black and chrome wallpapers, the black and chrome teeth, whatever they're going to be. Kubo and the Two Strings, best film? Yes. No. Best (laughs) Charlize role? Monkey? Mm. No? No. I don't don't think so. I I don't know. Do you remember waking up in Reno and how charming she was? We we do have Candy Kirkendall here on Waking Up in Reno. I'm going to put her on there. We can, we're we're going to whittle it down. I just think that, you know, we we get Charlize as mom a lot, but I think this is like a fiercely protective mom and uh, an encouraging mom and also a mom as a monkey. I just think that it's like something that we've seen mm, before, but something you. that's monkey know, club. unique. And, yeah. yeah, monkey club. Shout out monkey club. I just think it's something unique and something that she, she really nails really well here. All right, I'm down with that. I mean, I did like the character, so I just, I don't know. For some reason, because it wasn't live action, I guess it didn't, it wasn't registering as much but no I, I buy that totally best character transformation from woman to monkey absolutely <laughs> okay right. i do want to say best love story beetle and monkey because i All did right. almost I cry mean, about their love story really wow. when she whispers I, that's... that he said that he whispered you are my quest I was like, oh man, like that, that really maybe, worked for me. I had kind of a rough day, so maybe I was all like drained of like most of my like emotional, like what was left in me and everything. So like that didn't hit as hard, but like I definitely, I don't know, I definitely liked it. I just didn't, it didn't, as a love story, it wasn't what I was most sort of drawn well, to. Well, we also story. only have three other nominees there. And so unless we cut the oh, category, really, we only have Monster, Mighty Joe Young, and Hancock. Whoa. She, oh, yeah, because she's mostly in, like, terrible relationships yeah. with, like, horrible men. Yeah. Suck. Yeah, I forget. So you're right. Like, in, in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> a monkey and a beetle. <laughs> um, best love story. Best death, I'm going to say, sacrificing herself to save Kubo. Yep, I had twice? that down, totally. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. I had that down. She at least dies twice in one movie. Yeah. Uh, do we want to nominate a best non charlie's death or no? Um, I don't know. Who else died? Beetle dies, right? Yeah. I, mi- um, mm-hmm. I feel like it wasn't even... No, I think, because it's not, it's not really Beetle's story. Like, it is kind of Beetle's story, but it's mostly, you know, Monkey and Kubo. Right, right. What I do want to nominate, though, and I, I, I want sort of, you know, input here, best fight, uh, Kubo versus the dragon okay. or Monkey versus the sister on the boat? Or do we want I mean, to nominate Kubo, both? Kubo, are you like the dragon at the end, like the big worm guy? Yes. Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like just like the colors, the iridescence, like at night, slicing through, like you could see it going through all of his scales. It, it was definitely cool looking, and even how he cuts his eye and when he's talking to him. Yeah, it, it was nice, and it, it wasn't drawn out either. Like sometimes you get to the end and you're like. Oh, here's the end of fight scene. Another ten minutes. Like they wrapped it up uh, very quickly. So I'll say Kubo versus the Moon Beast. I'm also gonna say though, Monkey versus what, what are the sisters named? Call what, what are they named? I think yeah, they call them like come to your aunties, but I, I think it's just Karasu. Karasu and Washi. Karasu. Best line 
I'm also going to put in here just because. So what what I like about this, the reason it got to me was because there's like this, like she's telling this very tender story, and she says four simple words. Those words changed everything. Matthew McConaughey says, "I love you, monkey," and then she just <laughs> says, "You are my quest," he whispered, um, which I just really, really, really love. So I'm going to put that in here. We already have way too many for yeah. that, so I might get cut out, but no. But that's a that's actually a nice sort of substitute for I love you you know it's always I love you but like this is the same sentiment but it's more of like an in-joke kind of thing between the two of them yeah. so it's even more tender you know best cinematography I think even though this is animated absolutely yes this is a gorgeous movie do we we'll nominate this for best score soundtrack because there's a lot of music in this and I think the the guitar the plucky guitar works for the movie very well I'm on the fence because it's I felt like it started it's weird like I felt like the music started out really strong and then kind of gets a little like under service throughout and then comes back in the end i don't know because like i don't know i kind of lost track of it i don't know what do you i I'm, i will nominate it but i'm not sure if it just we'll put it in there for now strong. we can you know we can always cut it out later one thing that i would like i actually felt like this movie got better as it went along which you know is kind of a weird feeling i guess but like it, it just maybe they filmed it maybe just the different units that were shooting the different segments at the time were learning like how to do it better or whatever and by the end of the movie they just really had it down like to a science well i'm sure it was already down to a science but like an exact science but yeah that was really cool too because i felt just like everything was coming together one thing i don't know if either of you realize but the kubo was voiced by the kid who plays rick and stark on game of thrones oh oh get out and bran stark is the main voice i think in maybe box trolls he's in another like a movie uh he's the he's the main huh. voice so it's weird that they you know the brothers on game of thrones played you know main kids in both these movies but i think that, you know they're both they're good in these movies so there we go uh do we nominate anybody for best or worst male or you know non-charlize actor like i think mcconaughey is good but i think you know again there's not enough of him and it's just it's the voice and not to discredit voice actors but when you're comparing it to these other movies that we've done especially the best male actor slash role category i mean there's been a lot of really really good competition there and like you know charlize as we've been saying i think is the standout here i mean i think the kid did a pretty great job like he kind of carried the movie for the most part for me anyway and like i don't know like sometimes it can we've all been kids so i feel like i could say this and i watch my nieces and nephews love it sometimes it could be hard to listen to kids for a long time to talk like it's just tough like either they can't actually speak like articulate yet articulate yet or they have an annoying voice or something and i just felt like for for a child like voice actor like this was really good he was really really good and like i did not get bothered ever by his voice or anything i actually felt like it he added something sure and i think that's all that we have existing categories let me just run through them again best film 11 things we tied finally mike we tied uh in the west best film <laughs> best role best transformation best love story best death uh two for best fight Best line, best cinematography, best score soundtrack, and then Art Parkinson as Kubo in Kubo and the Two Strings for best non Charlie's role, male. Anything else of note, good or bad, that we want to nominate, or no? Uh, Holly? No, I, nothing. Good or bad? Aside from this film as a whole and my attitude towards it right now, no, not nothing to contribute. All right, that's fair. Yeah, no, I think we're good. That's, you know, 
that's a nice eleven. Seems to be you know the, the limit, the upper limit. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Holly. It was sorry that we couldn't you know nail this one for you, but at least you know, like I said yeah. before, we will always have Reno. Yes. And we'll make sure when the when we do our new shows, like you know, only good movies, because that's what we're doing with our new shows. Basically, who we cho- we chose who we chose because they're mostly only good movies yes so hashtag only good movies <laughs> we only have two episodes so i mean really i think you had holly i hope you realize how lucky you were to get this movie and not last week's movie the last face which is one of the worst movies that we've seen for any podcast for i mean in life yeah i mean i mean forget about podcasting <laughs> the fact that you, this, that you didn't like this i appreciate and i respect but in terms of the quality of movies who boy, like both of these movies that you were on are in my top five Charlize movies. Right now I have this at number two. I don't know if actually we've announced in the podcast, Mike, but you know, a little bit later, between the time that we announce the black and chrome wallpapers and the time that the, the voting closes and we announce and like, you know, we announce the winners, record the winners, we're gonna have a couple of sort of special episodes in there. And one of them is gonna be like our, you know, re- sort of reflection back on the episodes. And we're also gonna go through our letterbox lists, our countdown of, you know, worst to best Charlize movies. Both movies you're on, Holly, both episodes you're on are in my top five. Like, I really love both of those movies. I'm sorry that this one didn't work for you, but I just... You really have no idea how lucky you were in the run of Watch <laughs> I mean, the Throne. So much so, Holly, that, like, I have almost done a complete reversal on Waking Up in Reno <laughs> after the stuff we've watched since Waking Up in Reno. Like, I'm I'm definitely going to rewatch that for one of, like, those intermission episodes that we do um, before we wrap up, because, yes, oh, man, <laughs> it's been a journey. But for all things Watch the Throne, including Waking Up in Reno, Holly's other episode, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cage club or at cage club pod on twitter and instagram email us watch at cage me you know we only have four more movies we have another nine ish episodes to go so you know we've got a bunch more time for you to write in to say hi to drop a note and just you know say that you've been watching watch the throne just say hi i know people listen to it who are you just say hello. <laughs> I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Holly Gore, mad Holly Gore. And we'll see you next time for... Oh boy, I already forgot what movie we're doing next. What movie are we doing next, Atomic Mike? Blonde. Atomic Ooh, Blonde. Atomic Blonde, right here on Watch the Throne. I look at you all See the love there that's sleeping While my guitar Gently weep